Welcome to this podcast episode of Narcissists in Divorce, The Narcissist Trap. I'm Dr. Supriya McKenna. I'm a former family doctor, but my life's true work is working with people who have fallen prey to narcissistic relationships of any kind. But I'm particularly busy in the area of divorce. Over the last few years, I've been very proud to become an Amazon best-selling author on the subject of narcissism, and my brand new book, Narcissists in Divorce, From Love Locked to Leaving, is out right now on Amazon. That's the first book in the Narcissists in Divorce series, and the follow-on to that will be out in the spring, and that's called Narcissists in Divorce, From Leaving to Liberty. And please do note that although I use the word divorce, these books are equally applicable to anyone leaving a serious intimate relationship with a narcissist, whether they are married or not. I also have a book out called The Narcissist Trap, The Mind-Bending Pull of the Great Pretenders. And that book might be useful in helping the people around you who are supporting you to understand more about what happened to you and about narcissism generally. I'm also the co-author with British divorce lawyer Karen Walker of Narcissism and Family Law, a practitioner's guide. And between us, Karen and I have trained thousands of family law professionals in narcissistic personality disorder, including judges, lawyers, mediators and social workers. For further narcissism resources from me, please do visit thelifedoctor.org or drsapria.com. And that web address has the doctor fully spelt out. So Karen, how would one go about spotting a potentially narcissistic client? I would have to say with some difficulty and it's really important to be able to um, look specifically at what might cause you to think somebody is narcissistic. And um, I suppose from the lawyer's perspective there is this fear of does one have to almost evaluate every client at a first meeting. But actually I think in any area of the work that we do as family lawyers, it is important to identify the personality that you're dealing with, whether that be narcissistic or otherwise, because it's so important in the way in which you're going to deal with the case and deal with your client and understand what their needs are. So first telltale signs are probably um, first contact with you. The person suffering from narcissistic personality disorder will leap at the opportunity to tell you Um, probably a lot of irrelevant facts about how wonderful they are or or their achievements or something similar Mm. but also how badly they've been treated Mm. Um, and so it's important to be very wary of that have they been to see goodness knows how many solicitors before so are you number four or five and suddenly you are the best person who could possibly represent them you've been recommended they may be at some way into the process um, and they've already had two or three or four instructed and failed lawyers to date um, who they've been dissatisfied with by various degrees Mm. and um, you are going to be the salvation to all of their problems be really wary of that they may also be quite rude to the reception staff um, and quite dismissive and rude to Um, other support staff insisting on only talking to you um, perhaps wanting to make appointments not during normal office hours but meeting over coffee meeting over lunch pushing boundaries in the wrong direction Mm. boundary violations are really common interestingly they do that with everyone so it's not just the the spouse that they're pushing boundaries with it's anyone that they come into contact with 
Absolutely, and I think what's really interesting is that, ironically, a lot of the behaviour that the spouse may have been subjected to, um, the lawyer will experience mm -hmm. exactly the same behaviour, mm -hmm. because the behaviour itself repeats and repeats, mm. and doesn't really matter who the recipient of that behaviour is. Mm. And so, when you're looking at the way in which you imagine the narcissistic client would behave towards their spouse it's those telltale traits that actually will be directed to you as the lawyer mm. and that's what you need you need to look out for I, I said right at the outset that they can be difficult to spot they're difficult to spot because they're very charming they're very self-assured um, they um, will behave in a way that is designed to make you feel quite good about yourself even as their lawyer that that um, mm. they've come to you because of your reputation and we all like that we all like to be flattered do you find that narcissistic individuals are often late very often late um in fact to go a step beyond that they've got very little regard for other people's time mm. I, th I think it stems from that they're being absolutely the center of their world so nobody else's time frame matters the fact that you might have an appointment with somebody else um, in an hour's time won't factor into their thought process at all mm. um, so they're not only late but they're completely indifferent to whatever other commitments you might have mm -hmm. and um, they don't expect they don't apologize presumably for their lateness well, not in the slightest because there will always be an extremely good reason mm. which is out of their control mm. well of course they're, they're special and important or well, they need to feel that way so you're less special and less important and so they're allowed to be late so exactly now there are different types of narcissist um, and one that might be slightly different to the the general types is the so-called closet narcissist and they are not quite as charming um, as the the grandiose type which is the more common type that we think of when we think about narcissists so that might be slightly harder for the, the lawyer to, to work out. They're quieter, they're quite meek, and they do present as the victim. They're quite likeable, they're quite warm, but sort of slightly shallow. But they will still do the sort of building you up um, mm. as the lawyer. Mm. Um, it's a harder type to spot. And I tend to find um, that we, I think, have a, an idea that um, narcissistic people are more often male than female. Um, but I think it would be right to say that the closet narcissist can very often be female. Mm. There's an element of spitefulness, I think, in, in the behaviour of the closet narcissist. Mm -hmm. um, and that can be, as you rightly say, more difficult to pick out. But it is there. Mm. Um, and as they tell their story, there'll be this sort of underlying contempt mm -hmm. for their partner or spouse. Um, and it will be laced with a, a real feeling of spite. Mm. And that's quite a good indicator. Mm -hmm. Victims tend not to be spiteful yes. by and large, true yes. victims. Mm -hmm. um, so if this positioning of being a victim is tinged with spite and hatred in a rather unpleasant way, mm. that's a very good indicator. Mm. So it's, it's looking for s slight contradictions almost. Very and much. also, I think, going with your gut. Mm. If something feels slightly off, it probably is. Mm. Mm. If something just doesn't feel right you need to sort of think about why that might be and look for those contradictions um, because they will be there. When you have that first appointment, what other things do you think you should be looking out for? They may well tell you that their spouse is narcissistic mm. and be very wary of that. They may, may regale you with this tale of woe as to the behaviour to which they've been subjected, portraying themselves very much as the victim. Fascinating, isn't it? And it's a confounding variable because here you are trying to work out who the narcissist is and the narcissistic individual is actually projecting the narcissism onto the spouse. 
So it's you've got to be super aware, really, um, and you can't really take everything uh, that's being said at face value. Not at all. So would it be fair to say that if they give you a sense that they wish to bring their partner down, if they if if they wish to serve a retribution on their partner in a way that's disproportionate, is that something that a narcissistic individual commonly does at the first? Yes, I think it's something that you'd want to be very wary of. Um, Those who are the victims of some kind of abuse, um, generalising a little I know, tend to be very much more reticent. Um, It's a big step for somebody in that situation to take to come and speak to a lawyer. Um, And so they're not going to be full of bravado and and, um, this sort of desire to annihilate. They're going to be a bit nervous. Mm. Um, They're going to tell their story quite slowly. You're going to have to find that you're drawing it out of them. Mm. They will be far less self-assured. They'll be far less insistent. Um, They won't want to be in control of the meeting with you in the same way. Mm. Um, They'll be quite meek in in their manner of presenting what they've come to realise probably over a period of time and probably a realisation which they'll find quite unattractive and they'll be concerned about how they present as a consequence of having fallen for this. Mm. Um, So there'll be an element of um, self-reflection and a Mm. a feeling that they've suffered as a result Mm. and they're slightly embarrassed by it. I think that's a big one, the the self-reflection thing. I think if they are self-reflective that's a a key indicator that you're not dealing with a narcissist because practically by definition narcissists don't want to look inwards they don't want to think about who they really feel that they are so so that hence the grandiose image etc that they portray to the world so I think that's a big one if if they're self-reflective you're probably not dealing with a narcissist. The genuine victim of narcissistic abuse will be much more inquiring as to what you think they should do and value your opinion. Mm. The narcissist isn't really interested in your opinion. Mm. They're simply interested in telling you life as it is. Um, and to be very um, in command of the situation in which they find themselves. Mm. Um, that's another, I think, telltale sign of someone um, who is um, certainly not suffering at the hands of somebody else. The main thing to be concerned about Um, is the desire to take control, the the desire to tell you without allowing you to listen. Mm. You will be informed of what the situation is and you must take note of that and act upon it. So they want to set the agenda for that first meeting themselves. And I think you will know the difference um, if you listen attentively during that first meeting and allow them to talk. That's how the personality traits will come forward. I think in any meeting with a new client, listen um, and think and evaluate and make decisions after that meeting has come to an end as to what you think about this client, what you think their drivers are. And I think you make the point about um, being reflective and the the non-narcissistic client having the ability to reflect. I think reflection is such an important skill for lawyers and that after you've met with a new client, Spending time just to reflect on the meeting that you've had and make some key decisions can be so important for you as a professional um, moving forward. For one, it may give you an opportunity to think about, do I really want to take on this case? Because um, if you want to make that evaluation, doing so at a very early stage is the best time to do it. Mm. Um, And to think long and hard about what sort of individual 
you are representing because that's going to help you so much in looking at what's driving them what sort of what sort of strategy you're going to employ as their lawyer and what you're going to have to face from them and how you're going to deal with it my brand new book narcissists in divorce from love locked to leaving is out now for more information and online courses about narcissism please do check out my websites thelifedoctor.org or drsapria.com.